This week, the FBI is in the honeypot, the Switch is getting more colorful, and Universal Pictures is going prime. It's Monday, July 12th, 2021, and this is episode 598 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through one of the podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or of course on our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. The first is by uh, going to f5live.tv slash join us, normally on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Obviously, tonight's a little different. Um, there you can chat with us in the studio, give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe, and there you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, First Looks, and a whole lot more. And of course, you'll find all of the ways to watch, listen, and follow along. All right. We've had a little time off. We jiggled our schedule around a little bit, but we're here. How are you doing, Avram? I'm not hearing you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm muted this. Oh, hey. Uh, so yeah, it's been a, it's been a great couple of weeks. Uh, had, you know, actually had some people come visit for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, so that was cool. Uh, got to spend some time playing with, uh, with new gadgets with, with my son and with a particular type of gadget I'm going to show a little bit later. Uh, spent a lot of time with Windows 11, the new Windows operating system, trying to find ways of hacking it in different ways. <laughs> in different ways. I have wasted many hours trying to figure out if there's secret registry hacks that you could use to do different things. Uh, so we continue. We continue to look for those and cover them on, on um, Palms Hardware. So uh, yeah, you know, it's all, all in all, all in all, not been a not been a terrible, uh, not been a terrible couple of weeks. How about you? Pretty good. You know, we had uh, I had uh, at the house a uh, a Fourth of July party. In fact, uh, for those who are watching live, you might have seen that uh, Alante is back. And uh, he got to surprise. Um, we didn't tell anybody he was back uh, until they walked in the door. <laughs> and for some people, got to be surprised by him answering the door, which is what happened with Michelle and Danielle. Yeah. Uh, oh, and Dave. Um, he answered the door <laughs> for them. So that was a tremendous amount of fun. Um, had like almost 30 people at the house, <laughs> which was bonkers. Uh, but it was, oh, it was so, it was so good. And it was nice to spend time with, 
you know, it was mostly the cast and crew <laughs> and then family. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, so that was that was my fourth. And then things got normal after that. Although we did go to a speakeasy on Friday, which oh, wow. was an interesting experience. You had to know a password to get in and everything. All very strange. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. I still believe that my the basement of my house at one time was a speakeasy. Really? Uh, I can't know for sure. <laughs> sure. That's not I the kind of thing they kept into... good records on. Yes. When I moved into this neighborhood, uh, I guess six and a half years ago now, wow. I did a little bit of research on it. And I bought a book about the history of this town. And they said that this block, there were a lot of speakeasies during Prohibition. Fascinating. And my basement has a bar in it. So, and my house is old enough that it was around back then. So, okay. uh, so it. And and there's a separate door you can use to just go straight into the basement, uh, not through the house. So okay. I don't know. I'm just thinking it could have been a speakeasy. Sounds like a know. fine assumption to make. Yeah, I'm just I'm just assuming. I really I don't know if that makes it cool or not, but uh, uh, that's. Anyway. I think I think it makes uh, it cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. I would imagine a speakeasy yeah. in those days would have been very different than the experience that we had here in a hundred years later. Yeah, there wasn't that much room in my basement, so I'm going to assume it would have been a very small capacity speakeasy. I would imagine um, most of them probably were. Too many people, too much noise makes it an easy target for police. Yes, this is true. So That, that, is, uh, that is very true. <laughs> well, it was an interesting experience, and again, it was mostly former cur and current cast and crew. <laughs> Michelle and Danny and myself and Alante and Audie and Marissa. And <laughs> it was mostly cast and crew and uh, uh, Sean from the Drew Project. We we had like just an absolute ton of fun, but it was definitely a strange experience. But yeah, lots of fun. Uh that's been my week or week and a half or whatever it's been. But in that time, lots of things have happened. And because of that, we're going to get down to some news right now. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, desperately seeking a new Xbox, looking for games, or a whole lot more, you can get them at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And to browse the products and learn more about the discounts, you can go to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So before we get into the topic, I definitely made a mistake and skipped something. Uh, we are in the running for the best tech podcast on the People's Choice Podcast Awards. Um, so what we need from you is very easy. Go to podcastawards.com, click on nominate. 
create your account, go down to the bottom to the technology category and select F5 Live Refreshing Technology and hit save. I definitely recommend that you check out the other categories. And if you listen to podcasts from other uh, categories as well, definitely uh, see if they're in there. And if so, select them. The, the podcast awards are all about the listeners and viewers. And so uh, this is all about you. So we definitely need your help and we will appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's free and easy to do. So go check it out. Anyway, so let's talk about uh, the FBI. <laughs> Uh, about a month ago, they revealed that they had run an interesting honeypot. Um, they had sold under a brand called Anom, obviously short for anonymous, um, encrypted communication phones. Uh, these phones were running an operating system called Arcane OS, which should have been clue number one. Uh, <laughs> um, they had two modes. Uh, when you loaded the phone, it would come up to a pin pad. You'd put in a pin. You put in one pin. It would take you to a regular launcher-looking screen with normal things, Facebook, Tinder, those types of things, and uh, none of them were real. But if you put in a different pin, it would take you to a screen that had three apps. A calendar, no, a clock, a calculator, and the settings app. Uh, if you opened the clock, no, the calculator, uh, it was an encrypted chat service. Um, and so they sold these to criminals who then used them to plan their activities all of which was being logged by the FBI and the Australian Federal Police. Ah, uh, so this week, somebody on Reddit, no, on uh, the, the other one, uh, XDA developers, uh, posted that they had received this phone, uh, that they had purchased it on eBay or whatever, and they had never heard of Anom and didn't know what Arcane OS was and was looking for help. Nobody else knew what they were talking about either, so they posted a ton of photos and screenshots. Um, and so it turns out it was just Android 10. Uh, the settings app had uh, the things that would have caused them problems turned off, like uh, memory, apps, those types of things, <laughs> storage. Um, but it was like the icons weren't even different. Uh, and as it turns out, as you turned on, this is my favorite part. I don't know. I don't know if you read anything about this, Abram, but this is my favorite part. When you turned it on, it was just a Pixel 4a. So when you turned it on, Secure Boot kicked in and said, "This is not the right operating system for this phone. Do you want to continue?" Mm. <laughs> and apparently, people did. And used it, and uh, apparently uh, the honeypot was a success. <laughs> so, I have a couple questions about this, which I don't, which weren't answered in your story. Okay, I, I, I might have information because we don't know. How many, uh, we don't know a whole lot. Okay, how many people had got? How many people got it? Twelve thousand. Oh, okay. Uh, were how many do of them have were in one. Australia? I don't know. How many of them were in Australia? Um, I actually they, don't. Uh, they didn't break out um, how, where the devices went to, but 
Um, it seemed like it was some sort of an international sting operation. So they were probably scattered globally because um, it didn't seem like it was low-level guys they were going after with this. I mean, it's a so, huge operation. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is they were the the government agencies that made this were too lazy to to too lazy to create a properly skinned OS that looked more credible. Yes, but people bought it anyway. Yes. Well, not so. Maybe it wasn't necessarily the people they wanted to buy it. That's possible too. That's true. We don't know. They put out twelve thousand of them. You know. It's a lot of devices. Did they? Or were they sure that they? You know, it sounds like probably a lot of people bought these because I mean, what, what's the name of that phone that's supposed to be super secure? Is that the black phone? Black phone. I'm trying to. Yeah. So was this supposed to be sort of a competitor for the black phone? Yes, and in fact, I believe the sales pitch was that it was more secure than the black phone. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, all you have to do is make a big claim like that, and pe- non-techie people apparently just lean into it. So, in other words, what this really tells you is that everyone who bought this phone deserves to be caught because they didn't read phone reviews from a professional website. Yeah. Right. Right. And they didn't look at the phone when it turned on. It said, right. "Well, with a big yellow exclamation point." I mean, the wording almost says, don't use this phone. (laughs) I could come up with a plausible explanation for that if I was trying to convince someone it was legit. But if they did their job properly, it wouldn't have even had that message. And Mm -hmm. my explanation could be like, well, we took a Google phone and we put this special secure operating system on it. And that's why it says that. Sure. So, I mean, I'm just saying you could... One could infer that. I sure. wouldn't, but a non-technical person could could think that. Like, well, hey, you know, it's they hacked this Google phone. Right. We know right. that it's a we know that it's a good phone because everybody says right. it's a good phone. And it's got a secure operating system with an encrypted chat program that's limited to just the users of this phone. Okay. That's a sales yeah, pitch that I can exactly. see being successful. Yeah, you know, but this is the problem. You need to have. Uh, we do not review phones on Tom's Hardware, so I won't say it's us. But you should probably, if you're before you buy a phone, maybe you should read some reviews from professionals. Because I don't think Anom sent anybody a review sample of uh, of this phone. If they had, I don't think it would have gotten a very good review. No, because the thing that the thing that I uh, that I was reading. Uh, the the forum post and then the the Google photo album uh if you just like you'd turn it on you'd look at it and go well that setting screen is familiar and you hold it up to a regular android phone you're like oh even the icons in the settings app are exactly the same they didn't even change the icons but you know what there's a lot of companies first of all that's a level of complexity that you're expecting from People who probably weren't that tech savvy, but from from a group of people who managed to lock themselves out of the San Bernardino iPhone by accidentally trying too many pins too fast. (laughs) Yeah, right. But um, (laughs) but no, 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 I'm talking about the the people who bought this because who bought this, the people who bought this obviously weren't very wise either. Because if you're 
a tech savvy criminal, you would probably do a little bit more research into the bona fides of the phone before. I mean, don't they have like, don't they have drug cartel, uh, drug cartel IT or something to to test it out? They might now. I mean, I, I don't know how that works, but this is certainly an argument for you need an IT department in your criminal organization because because they would have somebody from if they're not going to have it reviewed, they're not going to read a review of the phone, at least get someone to do proper testing on it before you deploy it to your to your user base like that. I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't know how Oh. This may shock you, but I really don't know a lot about how organized crime works. <laughs> Maybe, uh, especially the how technical, uh, especially what they're doing for technology these days. So, I don't know if they do they give everybody in the you know every everybody in the gang or, or organization a central company phone, or is it BYOD? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the BYOD policy is for. For, for being in a criminal organization. Um, oh. But obviously, they need a tighter device policy if there were people in any serious criminal organization buying this, right? Um, I mean, these these definitely don't seem like they had remote, uh, you know, remote wipe or any of the things that, that you would need. Uh, but, you know, some, some companies, they take, um, they like to take the, if you buy some, third-party phones, they will definitely do things that look a lot like uh, Google's interface where they're kind of writing over, they get the open source version of Android, what's mm-hmm. a- AOS, a- a- AOSP, and uh, they try to make it look uh, very Google-like, so mm-hmm. it's not completely unbelievable. Or they try to make it look very Apple-like. All you have to do is fire up Wish and <laughs> more likely those. that. <laughs> yeah, more likely that. So, anyway, am I... I'm only surprised. I'm not surprised that these governments would try this, and, and I'm not surprised that some people bought it. Although I don't know if we'll ever know if anybody, if anybody that they really wanted to buy it bought it. Right. right. Um, I don't know if they had like a salesperson calling calling up. Hey, listen, we can supply all of your dealers with these great phones. So. <laughs> I don't know if, if oh, there was, you know, some type I love, of sales effort. I love the idea of the FBI having essentially a a B two B like cold call salesperson. Yeah, yeah. Call it, calling like uh, MS thirteen, being like, "Hey, so yeah, I you mean, might want whatever." Calling, calling whatever criminal gang or terrorist group or whatever it is they were trying to bust with uh, bust with this, uh, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to believe. I think I, I don't know. I would I would doubt that any serious that any serious any intelligent uh, criminals or serious criminals got this. Yeah, because like you said, if they if they did, they would would have noticed right away there was a problem with it. But generally speaking, in the world of tech, you have to have a reputation, right? So a place like Black Phone, they have to work hard to build a reputation, yeah. Yeah. right? 
It's and not they just have managed to do it because it. you and I are talking about it, right? Right. They have managed they to build a, that reputation. Right. Exactly. So you you can't just go and in, get into the game, uh, you know, for something like that where you really want to sell someone on security. So I think any any uh, criminal organization that was tech savvy in any way and. Uh, I think in order to be a, a really major criminal organization, you probably have to be these days. Uh, would would probably not buy this phone because they wouldn't just trust something just based on advertising. They would look at what the serious hackers trust. Right. And the serious hackers don't use this. So right, because the serious that's, hackers. That's all you need to know. Because the serious hackers are the ones on the XDA developer site. <laughs> And they're the ones going, right. I don't know what this is. Can you send us screenshots? Right. right, exactly. You you exactly. So I think this was probably a failure as an operation. I mean, I don't know if we'll ever know, but my guess is that they didn't catch any major criminals. Probably maybe not. they caught some maybe they caught some dumb criminals. That's always that's always possible. But uh yeah, I, I don't think this probably worked out. If they were going to do if they were going to to really do something like this, what they would have needed to do, and this is too, I think this, they just couldn't, this would just be too much. Yeah. They would need to start a company like Black Phone. They would need to le- make it a legitimately really good product. Mm-hmm. They would then need to spend a few years building up the reputation of that product. Exhibiting at CES. <laughs> right. They would, ha- they would have to put on all of the the airs of yeah. a, of a serious um, of of a serious company. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I I I have I have two or three comments. One this conversation was so much more fun than I expected it to be. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes these weird topics get even more interesting as we talk about them. Uh, and two, from a consumer standpoint, if you have a phone in your hand that ha- that is your phone and all of a sudden it's got that yellow exclamation point when you power it on and says this is not an official operating system, that's a problem run away. <laughs> that's, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Um, so... To, to bring it back to actual security, which is what the honeypot was all about, uh, but obviously the opposite. Um, in reality, if you are using your phone and you reboot it and it comes up with a yellow exclamation point that says this isn't an official build, something has gone wrong. Um, Google has uh, procedures to fix it. So uh, we'll, we'll take this opportunity to talk about your own personal security. Are these going to be on eBay and are they going to be cheap? That's how the person on the XDA developers got it. They bought it uh, not from the FBI. They bought it probably after somebody figured out what was up. So so in other words, it's going to be a cheap source of Pixel 4As out there? Quite possibly. Because all you have to do is and put all- the official ROM back on and Google's got the ROM on their website. <laughs> <laughs> Pixel 4a is good. Would these Pixel 4a 5G or, or regular 4a? Um, 
I don't know that they were able to tell from the body, which was the only thing that you could do because you couldn't get into the about. Obviously, that was one of the things that was missing <laughs> because it would have given up You could up tell the because the 4A5G is bigger. Okay. The 4A5G I... is 6.2 inches, and I think the regular 4A is something like 5.8, so okay. they're significantly different. Okay. Well, um, everything I saw in the conversation suggested it was a, a 4A, so probably not a 5G. Yeah, they didn't want to spend the full five hundred dollars on it. No, right? of course not. The four A is one of the cheaper, one of the cheaper phones. That I mean, it's a good phone, but it's probably right. the cheap, the cheapest good, really, the cheapest good phone you can get. So yeah. Anyway, it was a fun, it was a fun story and uh, super weird in all the ways that we usually enjoy. So hooray. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, just not the Anom phone. You can get a special price right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash PureVPN. Had to tie that one back together. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So uh, you and I talked off air after the last show about an interesting thing you've gotten uh, into recently. And now you're going to tell all of us about it. Right, Abram? Yes. Yes. So the time has come. And if you've heard about 3D printing, but you haven't made the jump yet into actually doing any, this could be a great time to do it. I just, we just started doing a fair amount of 3D printing coverage on Tom's hardware, and I got a 3D printer the other day for the first time. I should be embarrassed to admit this is the first time I've had a 3D printer, but uh, it, it is really at a point now where they're really quite easy to use, very inexpensive, and a lot of fun. So here's my 3D printer. I'm not saying this is the only kind of 3D printer. We'll talk in a second about the different kinds, but... This one right here is, uh, let me zoom out, sorry. The Flash Forge Adventurer 3 Lite. Uh, what's cool about it is it's enclosed, right? So you can, you know, keep everything behind this door here. So if you have kids, as long as they don't open the door, granted it doesn't lock and it doesn't stop if you open the door, uh, they won't, you know, be tempted, hopefully, to stick their hand in there and, and get burnt with burning plastic. Uh, so, to take a step back, what exactly do 3D printers, what could, what do 3D printers do? What kind of, are out there for you? And, uh, what exactly would you make with them? Uh, so, first of all, 3D printers, I mean, of course, if you've read the news, you probably have seen things about 3D printers, 3D printing, like circuit boards and body parts. Although I think the body parts one is mainly science fiction. Uh, for regular people, generally speaking, what you're getting is a 3D printer that prints uh, objects in plastic. And there's two main types of plastic. There's actually three. The, there is uh, 
what's called PLA. I think that's polylactic, um, which is what I've been using. And there's ABS, which is uh, the kind of plastic that a lot of people are familiar with. And then there's resin. Now, there's two different kinds of printers, uh, major printers. What I have, what I showed you here is what's called an FDM, fused, uh, fused deposit um, system. And what the way that it works is you have, I'll show you here a spool. Okay, this spool, I wish I had one out. Where's my spool? You have a spool and what you do with your spool is you, Happen. Okay, the easiest way is for me to just show you the spool it's in here. So, if you, if you see here on the side, um, there's a, you can see that I have a little spool here. And this spool is of PLA plastic. So what happens is the spool goes up, goes through the system, and it ends up in the head here where it gets deposited onto onto this build plate here layer by layer until it becomes an object and the that is fdm are the most popular and probably easiest to work with type of 3d printer there's also a type called sla stereolithography and that uses resin in a like in a container that you have to pour in and it's the, the material is very toxic and caustic and whatever. So you have to use gloves and a mask uh, and you better make sure you don't splash that stuff. And then when you pour it in, um, it uses light to actually cause it to, to make a shape and, and build a model. And the SLA stuff does have slightly better quality but the hassle of using it, the kind of more dangerousness uh, of it, uh, is why I think a lot of people don't don't like it. Uh, now, at FDM uh, and both types of printer, both uh, SLA and FDM, uh, start can actually be had for two hundred dollars or less. Uh, this this model here that I really like, the Flashforge Adventure Three Light, sells for three hundred dollars right now. Uh, it's a little bit more expensive than some because it comes pre-built. Some of the cheaper ones you actually have to put together yourself, and it's enclosed. And uh, and those I think those are some some good features. Now, uh, if you are printing with uh, ABS plastic, it does let off some fumes, and you have to be careful about ventilating the room because you're basically burning plastic. PLA is more of a natural material. So I don't have, I don't worry about it at all. I don't even smell anything when it's going. Uh, so let me show you some of the things I've printed. So here is a creeper from Minecraft. Okay, you know, it's a figure. I won't say like this is a, a great innovation to have a figure. Um, here is a uh, Luigi that is actually a Nintendo Switch holder. So you can put a Nintendo Switch in his hands and it will hold it or a tablet. Um, here is here is a case. This was made with 
uh, orange filament. Here is a case, and if you open it up, it holds your Nintendo Switch cards, uh, and it's made to look like uh, one of those one of those things in uh, in the Mario games. And here is another one that we were working on that's made to look like a Minecraft creeper, also a case. And this is a steering wheel that uh, my son and I printed so we can put a Nintendo uh, Joy-Con in it. And in certain games like Mario Kart 8, you can use them. A Nintendo actually makes a steering wheel like this for, I don't know, 50, 60 bucks. Uh, but we printed this with you know, a little bit of filament and it took three hours and uh, decent. Now, you might be asking, okay, but do I really need to print some models and boxes? I think the thing is, what these are really good for is when you have something really bespoke that you need, a part, right? Oh, I really want, you know, I have this robot and a little piece of it broke. Can I make a matching one? I have this, you know, some small item, some small thing, some small piece of something that broke. Can I make a replacement part? Um, and so I think that's a good use of it, creating boxes, creating custom models, things like that. Uh, and it's, you know, it's really not that expensive to get into. The filament is $15, cost me $16 for uh, half a kilogram it's done it's usually done by weight uh right so a half uh so you know you figure out how much filament you're using something like this might use i don't know 10 or 20 grams of filament so figure you have 5.5 kilograms 500 grams for 15 16 bucks um is really not bad it does take a while to print things no doubt a more complex project can take uh, you know, it could take quite a while. This took something like six, seven hours to print. Um, but, uh, you know, that's as long as it keeps, as long as it keeps going and works, um, then you're good. Now, the other question you might have is where do you, do you have to design all these things yourself or can you, you find a source of them? And there's a great source called Thingiverse. Uh, where there's a whole lot of free 3D models you can download and print or remix to look the way that you want. Uh, and, and so there's, there's just a lot of possibilities for you here to do, to do something fun uh, and, and maybe something cool. Now, the quality of the printing, uh, I mean, you might ask, well, okay, but do I want to print something that's one color? Because that was one of my first complaints when I started learning about 3D printers is like, come on, man. I, I don't, I mean, couldn't I just buy something like this that's five bucks and in full color? Um, I mean, sometimes you can't just buy something that's what you want. Uh, but they don't have to be a single color like this. What you can do is you can um, get primer and paint and you can paint them like you would any model. Uh, and... Uh, you know, there, so there's, there's options there. There, there isn't much in the way of affordable full color 3d printing because each piece of film, each roll of filament is a single color. So in order to have multiple colors, you would need to have something that either pulls from a whole lot of different, um, filaments at once, uh, or 
has a bunch of different heads or has some type of an ink in the head to dye the film as it comes through. There have been a few concepts like that out, but they're all well in the thousands of dollars. So for now, it's mostly a monochrome, a monochrome world. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's at the point now where it's affordable. You can get 3D printers that are competent for under 200 bucks and that are uh, really good like this one for for 300 bucks so um what do you think scott have you done much 3d printing yeah um so uh for a project that i've been working on we have a development board it's actually a pair of boards because one program you go through one to program the other and um that's annoying <laughs> you have to keep them together and you have to you know keep them from touching so as not to short out circuitry and keep them from touching metal things for exactly the same reason. And uh, so I actually had uh, had Chris over at Amrock do a, do a design for me of, of a thing so that the, the main board sits like this on like a mount and the other program board sits over top of it at an angle so everything's there and that that was wonderful and we used to um we did the year of the hurricane which must have been 2018 um when we were doing the robot in a weekend uh, at the mall we 3d printed a ton of parts for the robot that we were building um so so yeah the idea of doing like custom bits and pieces is apps for me is absolutely where it's at um there was so much interest in the thing that we had done for that development board that uh, colleagues wanted it. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's that's the thing. If you've had the problem, invariably somebody else exactly. may have it too. Now, you know, there's a lot of trial and error in this, and so that's where the frustration is, but that's also where the fun is, right? So, uh, my son and I had made a a robot that was from a kit. It was the Pimeroni STS Pi robot, right? It's a robot on wheels. And it has a little camera mount that you use to mount to, you know, put the camera in. And he broke a leg on the camera mount, which is just like a single piece of acrylic. So I was thinking, this is exactly the kind of thing you can 3D print. And I found that somebody had made a 3D model for this robot to replace the camera mount, but it wasn't to replace it with another camera mount. It was to replace it with something else. So okay. I, with an ultrasonic sensor, so I said, oh, I can take this and I can just like change where the holes are and use it for a camera. And I tried that and it came out like half a millimeter too long. So I have to go back, re see if I can shrink it because, you know, I was counting on it to actually fit, and it was, like, this far away from, from, from fitting in the slot. But nevertheless, I mean, that's a good use of this. You have something, and, a, and some little piece breaks, and, hey, can I can I make that little that little piece? Right. So, um, you know, that's... Uh, and no, no waiting, right? Um, obviously, these things are continuing to get better and easier, 
but um, it's uh, I think it's a cool hobby to get into. Yeah, for sure. I I want to learn the modeling side of it. I did I did 3D modeling for animation, but that was in like the mid to late 90s and I haven't in Lightwave, so people who are yeah older and there, did animation, you'll recognize the name, but that's about the extent of it. It ran on an Amiga for God's sake. Um but <laughs> So I don't know that any of those skills are going to transfer, but at least, at least my mind is capable of working in you know that three D realm. Maybe I can apply some of that to it. But yeah, I I feel like I'll definitely be starting from scratch. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the self modeling part. I mean I definitely found a challenge. There uh, there are some free tools out there, but they don't seem very good. Uh, I was using one and you know, one that's very popular, that's highly recommended and you it's web-based. So you don't have to install anything, but it's not, there's no precision in it. So like you want to shrink something by like 0.5 millimeters and you can't just go and type, Hey, give me this 0.5 millimeters less or something. You've got to drag everything. It's everything drag with you. It's a lot of things just drag with your mouse and not allow you to actually like just give it the number that you want. Oh, you want to rotate this exactly 91 degrees? You better be really good at rotating your mouse. So um, so I, I think there's a lot of... Um, I have to find uh, some better software that's easy enough to use for me to actually get great use out of it. Mostly we have been finding things that other people have made and, and printing them so far. Gotcha. But uh, obviously the real beauty of it is not to just make cute models, but hey, I really need this particular thing. Let me try and make it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's been... The, the majority of my experience has been printing things that already existed um, with the exception of, you know, other people doing things for me, which, <laughs> which is not obviously not quite the same thing. So, right. Yeah. It, but it's, but it's definitely an interesting thing. And, you know, the idea that the printers are, are coming down in price so severely because, you know, the, the maker bot that started this whole consumer interest in it at CES. I, I only remember it because their booth, we could see from our studio the, the year <laughs> that they showed it off the first time. Um, I mean, those things were stupid expensive, uh, but, but we all knew that it was going to be a thing and it definitely is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not at the point of, like, everybody's going to use it right now, right? It, but it is a serious, uh, it is a serious venture. There are people really into it. It is a, mat- um, a pretty mature technology, and there's some great products out there. So I definitely recommend that folks check out our coverage on tomshardware.com, where we have a best 3D printers page, which lists, uh, which lists all the cool stuff that you can uh, all the cool models you can get. Uh, and I really, really like this one that I have right here, which is one of our, one of our top picks, which is the 
Flash Forge Adventurer 3 Lite, uh, which is which is only $300. Granted, there are models that are even up $200, but I think for getting a model that's enclosed, which is really nice, uh, yeah. is really pretty easy to use, comes pre-assembled. Uh, a lot of the cheaper models, you've got to have some know-how and put it together yourself. Uh, so I think uh, I think that personally, I think this is a this is a really good one. Yeah, I uh, after we talked a couple weeks ago, I mentioned it. Yeah, when we were talking after the show, and I mentioned it to Terry. I was like, I don't remember the name of it, and I gave her the bit that I could remember, and she's like, Oh, is it this one? Like, yeah, she goes, Oh, it's a great one. So. Yeah, it's it, uh, it's good. They're coming out with a new model, mm-hmm. uh, although it's going to be twice as expensive, so not necessarily a replacement for, for this, called the Adventure 4, uh, which is going to have a built-in HEPA filter. So what's interesting about that is, and I'll, I'll just leave with that, is you know, I do have a lot of concerns about inhaling toxic fumes. Sure. And that's a concern when you're when you're you, you know, when you're melting styrene for ABS and a lot of people like ABS, even though PLA is much safer and so, and it sticks better to the bed and whatever, uh, it doesn't have as much of a, it doesn't feel as much like a real plastic in some cases or for some things, it's just not as professional or whatever feeling. So having ABS is good for a lot of projects. So yeah, I mean, I, I can foresee uh, using that, and then it has a fan and a filter built in, so supposedly it won't let the fumes out. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool design uh, change. But obviously, like you said, it's not a direct replacement. Uh, it's yeah, it's eight hundred dollars instead yeah. of three hundred dollars, uh, and it has some other features too, like a bigger print bed. So okay. um, so there's that to consider. Well. I, you have gotten me more interested in, uh, in messing around with it again. So, uh, I'm going to end up with one soon, I would imagine, because that's how things go. (laughs) Obviously I will be checking out what, uh, what you guys say about them on, uh, Tom Tardware and checking in with Terry over at Amrock to see which one I want. And as always, Abram, I appreciate this. Uh, we love, I, I always love talking about the things that you guys have going on over at Tom's Hardware, and I look forward to what we talk about next. week's extra life on f5 live is proudly powered by loot crate whether you're a gamer anime fan or pop culture aficionado loot crate has got a crate for you they curate a bundle of collectibles apparel figures and more that you can't find anywhere else crates get delivered to your door it's like getting an awesome birthday present from a friend every month and you can learn about the crates that are available right now by going to f5live.tv slash loopcrate. So obviously, um, 
if you're paying attention to the space, you know that this week Nintendo announced a new Switch model. But it is not the Switch Pro that everybody wanted. Uh, it is being called the Nintendo Switch OLED model. And uh, that's the big change. The, the, sc the screen's a little bigger. Um, the screen's a little better. Um, the dock is significantly better. Um, the most important thing is that they added a uh, Ethernet port directly to the dock which if you've ever tried to use the external one on the existing dock, you know that it is questionable at best. Uh, in fact, it was Alante's most excited feature was the built-in Ethernet, hoping <laughs> that, that it would work better than the current uh, adapters. Is his Wi-Fi not good? You know, gamers want, want it hardwired. It's just the way it's going to be. Right. Even for a switch, yep. <laughs> I know. I, I know. guess I just don't think of a switch as as being as of Nintendo games on the switch as being ha as having such a mission critical uh, connectivity issue. Yeah. Well, eh, it's it's not. <laughs> I don't have a switch. I know. Before the show, we were talking about all the consoles I have. That is not one of them. Uh, it is a very small list of ones that I do not have, and this which is one of them. Um, but yeah, Al Alante was super excited about it, and I saw in forums a lot of people were very excited about it. So you know, okay, uh, it, that means that Nintendo did the right thing here. They they heard certain complaints, they addressed them. Uh, hopefully, the Joy Cons won't drift because if you want to talk about a complaint, that's the one. But yeah, that's my complaint. Which yeah. is, uh, my son's Joy-Cons are drifting a lot, <sighs> and uh, it seems that the, it's not even the joysticks, Joy-Cons themselves, it's the buttons. The buttons are pressing themselves mm. sometimes. So, so you know, replacement Joy-Cons are ridiculously expensive. Yeah. But 80 bucks. Yes, they are. And the dock's going to be 100 probably. Uh but yeah, that's that's a huge concern. Hopefully, that maybe is being addressed. Obviously, they've gone back to a hardware uh, design board, right? Because this, although the body uh, is the same dimensions, the screen is not. The screen got bigger, uh, which is obviously going to be a welcome change. Um, but it got bigger without changing the body of the Switch. It got bigger according to Nintendo, without changing the battery life of the Switch. Uh, so clearly they went back to a hardware design board. Maybe there will be an accompanying fix on the Joy-Cons, fingers crossed, because talk about a design problem. Um, but one of the things that I thought was interesting, which I know seems like a minor thing, but... It was the thing that I gravitated towards was the new kickstand. Uh, the current kickstand yeah, no, is I don't really think that's short. Thing at all. Yeah. Okay. So the current kickstand is really short, um, and we tried to use it on a plane coming back from CES a couple of years ago, and it was not great. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Uh, this feels way more like like a surface 
like the the height proportional to the rest of the body is about half. It's got good control on where you know it stops. If you tell it to to lock here, it does, and it seems to kick out significantly farther than the current one, which obviously makes sense because it's longer. Uh, you're fighting physics when it's really short. Um, I. It was the thing that I latched onto because it was one of the things that I was most concerned about with the original hardware, and this looks like this looks like a really good fix to that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, kickstands are very important. Obviously, we've talked about that on on other things like how many how many portable monitors have terrible mm-hmm. kickstands, which make them hard to use. How important the kicks the great quality kickstand on the on the surf on the surface pro is so yeah it's it's obviously very very important to have a good kickstand uh although you could you could save yourself money and just print one of these and have it hold your <laughs> nintendo switch so Fair um, the but yeah having a good kickstand is is built in is very important so these are these are nice little iterative uh improvements yes but it is not the Switch Pro that there is so much rumor in the industry about. Uh, and so it was definitely a bit of a letdown for those who were hoping for a Switch Pro to be announced. Um, but for those who went into it with no expectations <laughs> um, and maybe no Switch, this is a, is a nice addition to the family. And it is an addition to the family. Um, the Switch website now has three devices in Tether Image, uh, the original, the Lite, and uh, the new OLED model. So it is an addition to the family. It is a little bit more, but um, like like Elante went searching for, the dock will be available uh, separately and works with the current generation. So... So that might be exciting for some people who really want that Ethernet connection. Uh, but it's not a pro. This is, for most people, this is not going to be enough for an upgrade. Uh, it's, it definitely seems like hold out for that, for that actual second generation uh, piece of hardware. Yeah, it is, it's not worth, it's not definitely not worth an upgrade. Right, because I mean, you're so you're getting a better color quality in your screen and a slightly bigger screen. Mm-hmm. You're getting more storage. You're getting going from thirty-two to sixty-four. Right. Supposedly the speakers have been upgraded a little bit. Okay. The and you and you have and you have the kickstand and the better dock, and the price difference isn't that much, right? Fifty is, bucks, two ninety-nine and three fifty. Yeah. So if you were going to buy a switch then I suggest you spend the extra 50 bucks and buy this because it seems like you're getting your 50 bucks worth. Uh, But on the other hand, 300 bucks is, is, is a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but you know, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't recommend somebody who has a, a switch that's not broken to say, let's replace it just to get OLED and, and you can replace the dock. Or you can just get the dock if you really want Ethernet. Right. Uh, it's just it's it's not compelling enough. Now I gotta right. give
Right, and they, they didn't. They could have. They could have done that. They, we might argue whether you know they might have had somewhat of a backlash from people saying this isn't pro enough. Mm-hmm. But they they could have. I mean, it's a very honest name. They just call it the Switch OLED. Uh-huh. They could call it the Switch Plus or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of plus, right? I was gonna say, fortunately. Fortunately, they but fortunately they recognize that the plus name is totally played out right now, because every streaming uh, service is calling themselves plus. Oh, you you think that's why they didn't call it plus? Oh, I don't know, but hopefully, hopefully at least that would have gone into their heads if they considered the plus name, because I'm definitely yeah. tired of the name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's actually a little bit. It's probably not great branding just to call it switch OLED because it has some other features. Right. So they could have called it something else. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but to their credit, they didn't. I mean, look, there's a lot of other things that are, that are up versioning themselves with, with uh, very small changes. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a really good argument that windows 11 is really windows 10.1. Right. At, at best. 21 H two. Right. So it's, it's, but Microsoft wanted to brand it. So Nintendo, I give them credit for some truth in advertising. It's probably going to hurt their sales for being this uh, level of honest, but maybe it makes you wonder whether, whether they do have something better in the pipeline. So they're not overselling this. Right. Right. They're not, they're not overhyping it. It's, I, it feels like, I mean, I, I guess products have to be worked on for a while, so it's hard to believe they would have just cooked this up in a couple months, but it feels like they, they felt like they needed to release something for this holiday season Yeah, that was new because they aren't going to be ready yet with the new, the really new thing that they're uh-huh. working on. But but I ask you this, and, I, and you said you don't have a Switch, so I don't know if this is question you feel good about answering but what would make you what would you feel like switch pete switch owners really want what are they not getting now that they want uh i know that a faster processor is something that people have asked for and better uh overall video um i don't have yeah maybe i i don't like you said i don't have a I don't have a dog in this fight. So I, I mean, my son loves the switch, uses it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he it's, uh, I mean, having 4k, I guess would be nice. Uh, but he doesn't really play anything on it that I would say, Oh wow, this has to be in 4k, but yeah. I guess some people own it would want 4k obviously to power 4k and to add effects like ray tracing or things like some of the, um, you know, the Xbox and the PS5 have, but let's, but let's remember that Nintendo doesn't compete by trying to out, trying to outpower yeah. the competitors. What Nintendo competes by having interesting IP, making a really great portable gaming experience, yeah. making, you know, sort of the, cute games. The 3DS saved Nintendo during the Wii U. Yeah. There's no doubt making, about it. You know, making cute games that uh funny story about the wii u last night my son was saying to me 
do they still make the Wii U? I said, why? And he was naming some game that is out for the Wii U and not for the Switch and saying like, oh, I want a Wii U so I can play this game. And I said, but nobody else wants a Wii U. <laughs> so, but Nintendo really got it. Nintendo really got it right with the Switch. They got the yeah. experience right. And that's, and that's what matters. So they're experts yeah. at experience. They have to get the experience right. I'm not sure that they need to go much different with the technology, although the, the console's been out for a few years now, so they have to iterate in some in yeah. some way. What I would like to see, which is probably just me, I would like to see a Nintendo Switch Heavy to go with a Nintendo Switch Lite uh, that was not portable, so no one, so your kids can't drop it and break it. You know, it just just like the console, basically the console built into the dock. Um, so you can't take it anywhere that, um, that would be, uh, that would be my switch, uh, <laughs> my suggested switch, but a Nintendo, not switch a Nintendo static. Right. But I mean, is the light a switch? I guess, right? Can you can you dock the light? I don't think you can dock um, it. I don't think there's like a dock, but I think you can hook it up to a TV. If I remember correctly. Okay. There were all these other things that you could add on to it. And by the time you made it a proper switch, it was way more than a switch. <laughs> than a right, regular yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, and also make it heavy so they can't easily knock it over. That would be, uh, but, but anyway, yeah. they obviously own, Nintendo knows Microsoft school of design. Even the Wii was easy <laughs> to knock over. Exactly. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens with it. You know, what the general response to it is, um, when it comes out this October, if I remember correctly. This week's news from the Tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Malwarebytes. Whether you use a PC, a Mac, or a mobile device, Malwarebytes Premium is the company's strongest protection ever. It fights threats that tra traditional antivirus software just can't stop. Uh, it actively blocks threats like worms, rogues, dialers, trojans, and a whole lot more. Uh, and it allows you to use your computer and mobile devices with confidence and peace of mind. And to learn more, and to get a special price right now, you can go to f5live.tv slash malwarebytes. So, we generally stay away from political-ish topics, but this one... Uh, falls into that category that we've talked about several times of uh, how can you disagree? <laughs> uh, and there's there's a couple of topics uh, in an executive order uh, that was signed on Friday that generally fall into that category. Right to repair. Um, we've talked about it a number of times over the years. The you know there have been attempts at right to repair uh, legislation and 
and um, policy, some coming out of the Library of Congress, which to this day I don't entirely understand where they fall. And it made me not quite understand what the Library of Congress was. I felt like I got further away from what that <laughs> what that thing is. But um, so the the executive order encourages right to repair, but this is our internet topic. <laughs> and so we're going to talk a little bit about internet. And one of the things that you and I, Avram, we've had a number of conversations on this topic over the years, and that is competition, right? You and I have both been in uh, situations where we were in an environment where there was competition and our building or our property has prevented us from participating because they had uh, exclusive agreements, right? And if I remember correctly, we were both with the same cable company. The agreement was with the same company. Yep. <laughs> well, this this EO takes aim at that, um, encouraging the uh, FCC to try to prevent this behavior um, so that if you're in a place where uh, Spectrum and Fios and WoW and <laughs> there was one more where I used to live, they were all available and we could only use Spectrum. <sighs> so the thing is, though, how are you going to... Like, all these things are quite vague in the sense that it directs the FCC to do something. Uh -huh. So, the devil's in the details. You need Absolutely. to know what the FCC is actually going to do. Right. Right? So, the FCC... Is the FCC going to call your landlord and say, Hey, you've got to let all of the... You've got to let this other competitor uh, right. in there? I, I sincerely doubt they're going to do that. Plus, a lot of these, um, you know, condo complexes or condo boards or resident association or whoever it is who makes those deals, they're going to say, oh, but we did it because we got a better deal for our residents. We may not agree. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's I, I think a lot of these things, too much of it happens on the local level mm -hmm. for trying to enforce uh trying to enforce competition in a particular area if True. they could do something that would make it easier to start a new isp sure. or for other isps to move into new regions then um then they would be able to encourage competition that way but i don't it's hard for me to see how i mean I think a locality could do that, right? Like, I think New York City, for example, could uh, pass a law saying, hey, you can't prevent, um, you know, but again, in, in place of New York City, maybe there, maybe there would naturally be two options. So mm -hmm. it's better to, two is better than one. Sure. But it's still just two. Right. I, and that, of course, right, is always the problem with this kind of thing and why, you know, executive orders in general are massively overblown because they have no real-world value. Even when they actually attempt to do a thing, 
<laughs> it doesn't matter because it's not pat it's not a con- an act of congress so therefore it is just as easily undone or changed a couple of years later at least if if somehow congress got involved and it's you know it's always been my my argument on net neutrality uh that you know the fcc trying to be in charge of that simply doesn't work because the chairperson changes and uh the world changes all of this stuff needs yes. needs laws passed as opposed to as opposed to just it, the whim it, of a it would be of a group it would be nice it would be nice but we have kind of a uh dysfunctional legislative uh branch i think everybody would agree that there's just not a lot of laws being passed uh so the other thing is even if there were laws it would still come down to the fcc to enforce them true and enforce and so if there was an administration in charge of the fcc that didn't believe in the law that they were supposed to enforce then they're not going to enforce it so it's not it's has no value so ultimately um if the fcc if the fcc wants to enforce a law uh, I mean, it would be better if it's a law, but you, I think you need overall agreement that these mm-hmm. things, these things matter. Now, yeah, the right to repair, while I, I actually can see, I can see no benefit to the public or to consumers uh, from having less competition for broadband. I mean, there's, there's no world in which that's better. Right. Except if you, of course, if you're the ISP, you say, oh, but look, I invest all this money. Mm-hmm. You want me to invest money into going into this area? Well, I, I need to feel like I'm going to have the customers. Uh, but, you know, that's that's why we have free markets and, and uh, we can have companies compete. And when companies are in a situation where they can't compete or don't compete because there's only one set of pipes to your house, that's called a utility. So... You know, I mean, one way that they could really approach this is is say, listen, if you're only if there's only one, um, if there's only one, uh, you know, one provider in your area, then they're going to be designated a public utility, and like the water company and the power company, they're going to come under uh, under heavy scrutiny, and if they want to raise their rates, they're going to have to get approval and things like that. So. Uh, you know, I think that would be, I think that would be another way to approach this. Sure. But when you talk about the right to repair, they're actually, I mean, I have heard some decent arguments about why the right to repair might not always be, might not always be the best thing. Now, as a consumer, I always want the right to repair my stuff. And it's certainly better for the environment. Uh, But there have been some arguments made that, hey, look, we want to build, if we have to, now, it really depends on what you mean when you say right to repair. Do you mean I can't get in trouble for trying to repair it? I can't get in trouble for running a service where I repair your, your, your phone? Or does it mean you? I have to build, if I'm Apple, I have to build my phone in such a way that it's easy to repair because then that, if I'm them, I can make the argument that it stifles innovation. Like, oh, sure. wait a second. If I have to build it so it's easy to remove the battery, then I have to make a thicker phone because I have to build a compartment we can get the battery out. Right. But I think I think from from what I from what I read, it's a very 
as all EOs are. It's weird. Um, <laughs> but um, it basically seems to be encouraging uh, preventing the practice of specifically designing hardware that self-destructs or something when it's repaired. Like the T3 chips, I think they're called, in um, some of the newer MacBooks, uh, where if you make certain changes, uh, obviously the newest ones with the M1 chip, there's no changes to be made. But <laughs> if you go back to uh, any of the Intel computers the last couple of generations have a chip in them where they have to be hooked up to a Apple technician's uh, system to make them work again if you say add RAM which I it's that kind of policy I think from what I from what I understand again it's all I don't know executive orders seem to be written without verbs which <laughs> I mean it's it's all in the details of how yeah. they enforce it and exactly who the FCC goes after or sues or tries to get some kind of consent from consent degree from because we could go we could go really far in mm -hmm. either direction right Absolutely. i could say for example that my phone shouldn't have a boot a locked bootloader on it because i should be able to install whatever rom i want but but again they the the response from the phone manufacturer would be like oh that's not good for security so you want me to make it easy for you to modify your device but it's not as good for security right or hey i want to be able to change my own battery that, I mean, that for me is the best example, right? Because yeah, for sure. we, we created, that is a huge source of, of e-waste yeah. and of people having to get to buy new phones is it used to be not many years ago where phones had most phones or a lot of phones had removable batteries. Yeah. You could, if your battery started to wear out after a couple of years, you could buy a new battery. And especially now that people are the, the, improvements in phones are not as big as they were yeah there's people are holding on to their phones for longer instead of every two years or year maybe they're holding on to their phones for three to four years and yet i hear people say to me all the time like i would have kept that phone but it just couldn't hold the charge anymore yeah exactly and i mean from where i'm sitting right now i'm looking at a phone that we still use for battery tests that has a removable battery. <laughs> it's literally sitting on a shelf just past this camera over here. Um, so yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Um, but it is that's one of the topics that you and I have talked about many times on and off the air is that we miss that capability in particular. Right, so you could say, hey, right to repair, you should make it easy for me to remove my battery. But if I was phone manufacturer i would probably say oh but then if i have to put a battery slot in there and make it so you can pop the battery out then the phone has to be thicker and people don't right. want thicker. and we have to design you know uh, a structure for being able to put the back on and off and that might you know interact with with either aesthetics or you know chi charging or you know all kinds of of other things because the phone I'm looking at was one of the only ones from its line that didn't have Qi charging because of that. Now I added it, but that's a whole different. <laughs> right. But I mean, those, those are the type of things that, you know, 
you you could say you could argue either way about whether you know your right to repair means sure. right to repair easily right or not absolutely yeah and that's you know and that's the thing with with most executive orders is they are always the the real point of them is to to send the the uh, bureaucracy into into action to do a thing or not to investigate whether or not they should do a thing that's the the red tape of government right there the eo says go investigate whether we should do a thing uh so there is no telling what will come out of this if anything comes out of any of this um especially when you take in con- into consideration that several of these things involve the fcc and uh for some reason the administration has not nominated a third per, uh, person to the empty chair, so uh, it is currently deadlocked and likely not to accomplish anything at all. So I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll see. My like you said, my guess is eh, what comes out of it will be equally nebulous to what what the language of this thing is anyway. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You know you get free delivery, but you also get a lot more, like free music with Amazon Prime Music, free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video, free games, and a free Twitch subscription with Amazon Prime Gaming, and a whole lot more. We have links to all these features, plus uh, a free 30-day trial if you're not already a member, and... If you are or not, and you want to give it as a gift, we have a link for that as well. And all of it is conveniently located at f5live.tv slash prime. Speaking of prime, we're actually going to talk about (laughs) the company at the top of the segment. Um, Lots of streaming services. Everybody knows it. We could name them all night long. Uh, the one that we have talked about a lot, though, has been Peacock because of their very uh, different business model. Even though, you know, they they, they came out uh, with a freemium model, which Hulu used to do um, when everybody was involved in Hulu and then slowly went away over time. Um, Peacock launched with a freemium model. There's some content that's available ad-supported for free, some that's available ad-supported for pay. And, uh, then there's a paid uh, non-ad-supported version as well, which is pretty unique in the industry. Um, and this week, uh, Comcast, Universal, whoever uh, parent company you want to attribute <laughs> to Peacock made two interesting uh, announcements for Universal Pictures. The first is that starting in 2022, uh, shortly after the theatrical release, Peacock will have an exclusivity on all Universal Pictures films. Makes sense. It's what Disney does with Disney Plus. It's what Paramount does with Paramount Plus. It's a pretty standard behavior, except <laughs> um, they will have, if I remember correctly, a four month exclusivity, at which point they go over to Amazon Prime Video. 
Um, so once again, an interesting, different business model for Peacock where they're not trying to strong arm you um, on Universal Pictures. Uh, it's an interesting move because, you know, Disney's definitely been the, the cheerleader for, for strong arming. Uh, HBO Max has been pretty close behind. But this is definitely on the other side of the, the equation. So does this mean that in like three months I can just rent Boss Baby 2 on Amazon Prime? No. Uh, because it doesn't go into effect until 2022. Uh, 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 all films starting in 2022. I do not know what current films will look like um, because there's no agreement with Peacock, which is technically a different subsidiary. And so, I don't know. There's a great episode of 30 Rock about it, also uh, NBC Universal. But uh, <laughs> um, I don't know what the contracting looks like uh, there. All of this goes into effect uh, starting, uh, I assume, January 1st, 2022. Um, so I have to wait until Boss Baby 2 is Boss Toddler, is what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, just just about to get off the bottle, which <laughs> <laughs> uh, because to your point, right? You you can't watch that movie. That was like their. That's been one of their big selling points, by the yeah. way. You can't watch their big their their big movie uh, on there unless you subscribe to the paid version. You can't get mm -hmm. it on the freemium mm -hmm. or even on the free trial. Not even on the free trial. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, they they figured that one out. You have to at least sign up, and uh, I mean, I guess you could cancel, but I think after they figured while, that out with the office. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so there you so there you have it. I, I mean, they they figured out that they had, but this is the continued problem with. Uh, with all these streaming services, you sign. Is there like one piece of content you want? Right. Do I want to sign up for it? Like, you know, my kids would love to see. Uh, I know my son would love to see Boss Baby Two, and I sign up for a streaming service just so he can see Boss Baby Two. Right. Mm, that's a bit much. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know that's that's been our primary talking point when talking about the video streaming services is, you know, they're all trying to differentiate from each other and there's so many of them and, you know, they've, it, the number has been growing, which is the wrong direction. Um, but, you know, we've got, what, we've got Discovery Plus. What? I, honest to God, I thought that one was a prank when I first heard about it. Um, obviously, it's likely to be retired if the, if the Warner Media Discovery merger goes through, um, and everything will fall under either one or the other, hopefully not Discovery Plus, because again, I'm fatigued not just on streaming services but on the word plus. Uh, um, but yeah, they're all trying to differentiate themselves, and you know, Peacock has definitely taken a different tact from everybody else. I don't know if so it's going to work. So here's a little something I read yesterday that I feel like is rel is very relevant to this conversation, and I found right. fascinating. So there, um, there. So uh, Kara Swisher from the New York Times 
wrote an article all about whether or not people are should go are going to go back to the movies and are they mm-hmm. going to go back for only event movies and she cited this newsletter called what i'm hearing by an uh, entertainment uh, industry insider named matt baloney and i'm sorry uh, baloney matt baloney Bel- baloney okay so not like phony baloney no not not phony baloney i'm probably pronouncing his name wrong it's probably Belloni because the anyway. So Bellini? this is Bellini, maybe. So Bellini? Anyway, he 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 has a apparently he's launching some new venture, but he has this newsletter called What I'm Hearing that you can sign up for. And so and she linked to an archive of it. So I'm I'm looking, I read it, and it's really fascinating because what he's talking about, because he is was an entertainment industry like law, revenue lawyer and things like that is how, why the um, people who the creative talent is so unhappy with streaming uh-huh. and because there's different types of deals uh, in streaming than there are uh, for, you know, regular movies or, or regular TV. Uh-huh. So what happens is they have, apparently they have something it used to be that they would get like, um, you know, a certain percentage of the revenue, right? Uh-huh. Like if you were a big star, like Robert Downey Jr. Or, or, or the show creator or something like that, or maybe even some other members of the cast, you'd get you'd get money. So if you're, if the, you're on a show. Points on the back end. Yeah. Points, right? Points on the back end. Now they apparently have something called an SBE, a series bonus exhibit, which gives you points that are that that come from weird things like uh emmys golden globes if your show gets renewed uh or whatever but the way that it generally works is in a lot of these cases they're getting more money up front and less on the back end okay because the streaming companies like they just want they don't want to have to um have like pay for paying for ratings or or pay i mean not paying for like advertising you know they they don't want to have some type of big revenue sharing uh business but at the same time my question is what what revenue is there anyway Mm -hmm. because how do you even know that i mean you could say, for example, that Black Widow, which is now being sold for $30 on Disney Plus, is you could measure that. Like, okay, this many people, six million, I think it was six million people. Was six million people or six million dollars? I think it was six million people. Sixty million dollars? Anyway, there's certain I think it was sixty million dollars made on this weekend on Black Widow online only. Right? Uh, and so if uh, Scarlett Johansson is getting some money on some points on the back end or whatever, then that would matter to her. But if you create, um, you know, a new a show or a movie for streaming exclusively, and it's part of an unlimited streaming package, how on earth would you would you determine revenue anyway? It has no revenue, doesn't it? I mean, how? I don't understand that. Um, I mean, I guess you could take total number of streams across all things 
comparative to how many streams of the thing. I look at it from a percentage and compare incoming revenue. I have no idea. There's got to be an algorithm for it. Somebody has a plan for it, but I don't know what it is. And uh, it but, was six, but, it was sixty million was the number you were looking for. But, sixty million dollars. Right. But so to get to our, our point about about Peacock, right? They're probably looking at it as we're putting it on this service. We're putting it on NBC. Uh, we're putting it on Peacock, and our hope is to drive up subscription because what mm-hmm. do, what do any of these uh, unlimited streaming shows do? They either drive up subscription or they drive up retention. Right. right? Uh, and at this point, I'm not even sure if somebody like if a well-established company like Netflix has a lot of growth left, or, or at this point, they're just trying to keep people from quitting. I, I, right. I mean. I don't, I don't know. So, so, so at that point, it's really hard to say, Oh, this made a lot of money. Did people subscribe because we put boss baby two on there? Did people not leave that might've left because we had boss baby two on there? It's really hard to say, right? I I mean, I I think that'd be very hard to measure, but Hey, if they can go out and they can put it on Amazon prime and people can, can in the, can rent it for $6 and buy it for $20. Uh, then that's another source of revenue that they're uh, that they can absolutely sink their teeth into. So, of course, they're going to want to do that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's 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 why. It, it's an interesting industry, right? Because it's still, even though I mean, things like Netflix and Hulu are household names today it's still kind of an in industry in its infancy, right? Cause almost none of these companies are turning a profit on these, on these endeavors. Um, Netflix sure isn't. And so, you know, there's still, I think all, everybody's still just trying to figure out how it works. That's, that's my guess. I think even, even Netflix and Disney don't understand how the industry works yet. And they're just messing around trying to see what, sticks to the wall that's that's my feeling on all of it and there there's enough evidence to back it up you know we're gonna have 50 percent original content in the next five years i don't know about that (laughs) you know i don't know it's it's all interesting and it's definitely a fun one to follow um i did not i had not seen this 60 million dollar number for uh, for uh, Disney Plus, though that's interesting. It it basically breaks down to two million people, right? Two million and two million yeah. fifty thousand or something like that to make up for the penny, since it's twenty nine ninety nine. And and this is also the same people that right would would see something on Peacock that debuts there first, because we have this uh, the entertainment service always favors the patient like movie release always favors the patient right if you don't care and you can wait three or four months it'll probably be on disney plus right for no additional money right if you don't care if you don't want to subscribe to uh peacock all of these what you're saying is all these exclusive so so-called exclusives will eventually debut somewhere else so again amazon prime in particular right 
only if you're in paint, which means you can rent or which probably means you can rent or buy them. Right. Uh, so you don't have to be a, a member of, of Amazon. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, that's the thing. If you're, if it's you're the, patient, you can it, always see, see things for cheaper. It's the dollar theater, right? That, yeah. it, that's what this is. Uh, Universal Pictures is using Amazon essentially as the dollar theater. Yeah. Peacock is the regular theater, and then uh, Amazon Prime is the dollar theater. And like you said, it it uh, favors the patient. Uh, we used to have a dollar yep. theater down the street, and uh, I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> if you're really patient, eventually it just comes on either basic cable or network TV. True, true. <laughs> Or if you're really lucky, it's on your uh, cables on demand and you don't have to do the appointment television thing. <laughs> yep. So anyway, uh, it, it's an interesting announcement and just another one of those interesting moves uh, for Universal with its relationship with Peacock. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate our live listeners. I know we were on the wrong day and time, which makes it a little more interesting, but that's okay. Uh, if you aren't able to join us live, uh, that's okay as well. If you'd like to in the future, f5live.tv slash join us is the place to go. Uh, normally Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you can't join us live, plugkidslive.com slash subscribe will show you all of our shows and all of the ways that you can watch, listen, and follow along. Uh, and again, I will remind you that we're in the running for the People's Choice Podcast Award for Best Tech Podcast. And we need your help to get there. If you go to podcastawards.com, click on nominate up at the top of the screen and uh, fill it out. Go down to the bottom to the technology section find f5 live refreshing technology fill that out for us uh we obviously will much appreciate it um it's been a decade since we were up for this and it's <laughs> it's nice to be back there so definitely if you can help us out that would be great uh and i guess with that on behalf of the staff that's not here i'm scott i'm abram and we'll see you back next time ciao